Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we are covering disc six of Sign of the Times, Super Deluxe. Well, the first half of that disc. Correct. I was (laughs) going to say, big red flag here. It's the last vault disc on the set. That's, I mean, I, I kind of... I'm sad about that, but it also feels like we've been covering vault material for a while now. Uh, Because we have been, yes. (laughs) Yes. You said every other week. It seems like every day. (laughs) You and I live this in one form or fashion. That's right. Either listening to songs or making notes or avoiding talking to one another about it. (laughs) Or talking to each other in cryptic ways. That's right. To not give away anything. (laughs) There's a lot that doesn't go into making this podcast, you know? (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of things left unsaid. Yes, we could change it to things left unsaid. But then we say them on the show. You can't do a podcast without talking. (laughs) That's true. There aren't many (laughs) podcasts out there that don't involve speech of some kind. That's right, just silence. Not a lot of sign language podcasts out there, (laughs) unfortunately. No, no. All right, so shall we get started? Okay. Okay. So we're going to start with the first disc on the album. The Im- first disc oh, on the no. album, you say? No, no. That's wrong. <laughs> Maybe the first track on the disc? First track on the disc. Okay, I'm with yes. you now. We can start there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope that's not a sign of things to come. It's been a day already, so here's hoping this goes a little more smoothly. Than Christy burned bacon this morning, so <laughs> it's been a rough start to, to recording day. <laughs> Emotional pump. It was an emotional loss, that bacon. (laughs) Emotional pump. Offered to Joni Mitchell. She didn't think it matched her style. I think she was right. Uh, I don't know what exactly Prince was thinking. I can't imagine that her saying no went over very well. But then they remained friends. Yeah, he still admired her and, you know, was seen with her many, many times. So... Uh, he's probably disappointed, but hopefully respected what she felt she could do and couldn't. Right. I mean, Joni Mitchell didn't make it as a, I don't know. She made it on talent, not so much on, you know, her looks or her sexuality or right. singing about it that way. So it's weird. Yeah, that he would have even thought this would have been a good fit for her. Right. I was a little confused by that. And it seems Joni was too. She did an <laughs> yeah. interview with The Stranger in Australia And uh, she said that the song called for jumping around in a black teddy, which was not her thing. And, uh, but she expressed a strange sort of affection for him in the same breath. She called him a strange little duck. Yeah. That she liked him, but he was a strange little duck. Yep. And yeah, it was a. That's a good summation. (laughs) I mean, she wasn't like a member of Vanity Six, you know? No. I mean, she wasn't... I don't know, as as mature as Prince became, like from <laughs> 1983 till 1986, 87, the amount of growth he had as a songwriter, there were still moments like this where you look at it and you're like, well, how, in what <laughs> world did you think that uh, someone like Joni Mitchell would be able to sing a song like this? Right. I don't know. I mean, really, after hearing the chorus... Like, even the verses, I was like, okay, well, maybe. And she mm-hmm. had a bit of a change in style and 
a resurgence of sorts in the late 80s. And maybe he thought that that would fit her newer image. But then I, you know, after listening to the chorus of the song, I just couldn't imagine her singing this. And it made me wonder if Prince aspired for her to maybe become a bit more like him. Well, he didn't write songs that didn't fit him also. Yeah. You know, he wrote a lot of songs for other people, but many of them could have been sung by him. So many I don't think were. that was his strength was writing. He could write songs that other people could sing because he was a great songwriter. Right. I don't think he was great at writing songs from other people's perspective necessarily. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of soiled this song a little bit for me, even when the song leaked and had been circulating for a while, probably two or three years before the set came out. And then to hear that it was meant for Joni Mitchell was like, like what? what? I could have just done without that information altogether and just appreciated this as a Prince outtake. And I think it would have sat with me a little bit better. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. But the first 20 seconds of the song, it's all about... That bass, like Camille era drums, but dang, the bass is so cool. Well, and it starts in this way that feels so 80s. Mm-hmm. Strong driving beat that starts off the song all by itself. Yeah. Super, super 80s. It reminded me of Cuckoo a little bit. Oh. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. There's so so many of these songs that are part of you know these seven that we're covering today are all about drums and bass and horns. It's like that's what makes these songs. I don't know, just fleshes them out. I guess you could say. Yeah. And this is no exception. Well, and it's interesting to hear all of them together like this. This was a yeah. phase almost that he was going through since we know they're in pseudo at least pseudo chronological order yeah i'm skipping around a little but yes but this was a a thing yeah it was a phase he went through it was a it was a phase he was going through because these songs have a lot of similarity they do they're all recorded generally the same time yeah it's like he wet a towel with a bunch of you know this is where i'm gonna live for a little while and wring that towel dry Uh recording these songs and getting all these different ideas out of them that's super fair and i thought the horns had a little bit of a latin flavor to them as well yes maybe that's what makes you think of cuckoo and sheila e and that kind of uh vibe uh, but yeah, we didn't mention Prince is on all vocals and instruments except for the horns, which are Eric Leeds and Atlanta Bliss, mm-hmm. which is the case on a lot of these songs. Yes. So here he sings in his falsetto, not Camille altered voice, but falsetto. Mm-hmm. You know, there's already an underlying weirdness here of emotional pump written for Joni Mitchell. First of all, I st- have always thought what is an emotional pump? Is it like your heart? Is it what drives you? Yeah. Is it uh, part of a sexual act? Something to cleanse a pool. (laughs) (laughs) Really the pump just circulates the water in the pool. 
Right. Yeah. It has a filter in it too. Maybe oh, the emotional true. pump has an, emotional I don't know, some filter? kind of sadness filter in oh, it. Oh, okay. Could be. I thought that the, so an odd title, an odd turn of phrase, I thought, emotional pump. Uh-huh. And then the first verse I thought is weirdly written also when he sings, Last night I was lonely, not for anyone, not just for anyone. Last night I wanted you. Last night I was lonely, not for anyone, not just for anyone. Last night I wanted you. So can you be lonely for someone? You can be lonely and you can long for someone, but I don't know that you can be or do both. Is that a correct use of words there? Last night I was lonely, not for anyone. I made a note about that as well, that I thought it was interesting because lonely is sort of, you think of it more as a general feeling, mm-hmm. right? As I feel lonely. I am and, isolated. Yeah, yeah. And he's feeling lonely for a specific person. And I thought it was just an interesting way to, instead of saying, I miss you, uh-huh. saying I'm lonely for you. It just, I've never heard that anywhere outside of the song before worded that way. I just, That's as poetry. I sing along, it's just, yeah, poetry is a unique way of putting words together, not a wrongly worded thing. I keep thinking of an English professor putting WW in the, uh, yeah. margins Weirdly here worded. Yeah, yes. yeah, or wrong words or uh-huh. whatever. I don't know. It just stuck out to me as weird too. There's a, just, I keep tripping over a lot of things in this song and that's <laughs> one of them. Well, I, something I tripped over. Let's hear it. Is there like an emotional rope somewhere? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I've just personally never counted 2002 stars. I've never counted 2002 anythings. That's a lot of things. That's a lot of things. I'm sure I've counted something. 2,000 times? I'm sure. Wow. I don't, I don't have the patience for that. I don't think I've counted anything 200 times. I don't know. Unless someone asked me to count to 200 by 10 <laughs> then okay that's 20 things i could probably do that sure but you're right yeah. well, so why did it trip you up if no, you personally just, counted uh, I that would many never, things i would never take the time to lay down and count 2000 stars cuz mm. i'd get to about 40 or 50 and get lost and confused and have i counted that one and right. maybe he just doesn't care if he's recounted them it doesn't matter that could be it's just isn't that odd though too that like prince is this not really known for laying in rest, you could say, right? He's always busy doing something. The guy mm-hmm. never stopped. So I, it's hard for me to even picture him taking a moment to look out the window and count 2,002 stars. I mean, if you counted 30 a minute, how? I mean, it would take hours to do that. And I can't see him having the patience to do that. Okay, so maybe that particular line is not about Prince. Maybe that's an aspirational something that he was attributing to Joni. Okay. That maybe that's not something busy Prince could do, but that's something that Joni Mitchell could do 
that she could find meditation and beauty in it. Okay. And he's writing this or trying to give it some of her calmness and focus and zen sort of. Yeah, she's got a, she's a zen kind of lady. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like Prince doesn't have the patience to have a cell phone. So how does he have the patience to, uh, Count just for fun, 2002 stars out the window. Mm -hmm. I say, unlikely, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Then we get the chorus that had you thinking, I cannot see Joni Mitchell singing this at all. Emotional pump, you are my. So it's written kind of backwards. Now, see, that to me is poetry. Not, I was lonely, not just for anyone is weird to me. I'm half the podcast. I get to say what I want. Concentrate on you is all I have to do to make my body jump emotional pump. Like the falling rain, my body cries for you are my emotional pump. There's so little about Joni Mitchell in that chorus that I could find. Your explanation of, you know, taking a moment of contemplation to count stars written from her perspective makes a lot of sense. I could find none of it in the chorus. No, me either. That's why I feel like I wish I didn't know that. Like, this is an oddly weird, this is total Prince, 100% Prince. Yeah. 0% Joni. Yeah. Well, and then verse three. Okay. Boy, it gets cringy. I want you not just sexually, but in the way a mother wants a child. Mm-hmm. I want you not just sexually. And I get what he's saying. That yeah, it's he about wa- that kind of love. It's about that kind of love and the deep affection that goes beyond just a physical relationship. Right. But the proximity of sex and mother and child, it's just too close to one another. It's It <laughs> makes it weird. Yeah. And to me, that is almost... More uncomfortable than sister. Oh, really? Yeah. The song sister you're talking about. Yes. I mean, I can see how you can get there. I see like there's just not enough space between the two. There needs to be something in the middle there between I want you, I love you, and then not just jumping into not just sexually, but the way that a mother wants a child. It's almost like, well, give me a little bit of time in there to contemplate this. No. Um, Pick a different metaphor. Well... I think that it could have been softened with something else in the middle. Um, No, give me a different simile entirely because it sounds problematic. All right. But there maybe maybe there's a reason why this song didn't get released until now. And then he also says it's all in black and white. Darling, can you take me tonight? That's not the kind of mother-child love that we're talking about. So like the simile, as you put it, doesn't last long enough to get through the entire verse. It comes back to a sexual kind of thing. Can you take me tonight? Yes. It's all in black and white. Darling, can you take me tonight? It's not the kind of thing that, you know, Timmy looks up at his mom and asks her to do. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I hope not. Yeah. No. If we're not going to give that comparison the space it needs to breathe a little bit, it's just creepy. Jet, I don't disagree. Pick something else. I don't anyway. disagree. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a really 
very cool 80s synthesizer breakdown that's fun. Where's that? Did you, did you have three minutes somewhere? and 56 seconds? Okay. All right. Yes. I have a note on that too, like a little two note synth part that comes right before that. And it's also reminiscent of New Power Generation. There was a song that we covered, I believe it was part of the set, many episodes ago, where there's this two note synth part that was reused in New Power Generation okay. song. Yeah. And it sounds like that here also, just before your synth solo that you're talking about. Right. Yeah, musically, I thought this is great. Yeah. Oh, Super yeah. great. Even the spoken word part that I wanted to mention, like at two minutes and 43 seconds, when he says, I notice the rain more than I used to, more than I used to, when I had you always, always, now you're gone. Now I'm so blue, bluer than I used to be. I notice the rain more than I used to, more than I used to, when I had you always, 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 now you're gone. Now I'm so blue, bluer than I used to. That, that was kind of a, you know, you mentioned poetry again. I'll go back to it. That kind of sounds more like poetry and doesn't mix. Well, and that bit sounds like Joni Mitchell a little more. Yeah, it does. It does because it's about observation yeah. and um, more like a normal everyday thing, which I mean, Joni and Prince are very unique individuals. But if I had to pick one who was more in tune with the everyday lifestyle of American people and more normal relationships. Yeah. I would lean towards Joni. Y- yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. The synth part that's from four minutes and five seconds to four minutes and 23 seconds. I made a note that it sounded like classic 1984 revolution era Prince. Yes. So I thought that, um, you know, musically, it's a fun song, maybe a little repetitive. That horn line continues, continues, continues. Yeah. And after a while, it became it becomes a little comical. Like I start singing it to myself almost in a way that mocks it rather than appreciates it. <laughs> okay. Which is my thing, I guess. Um, and it doesn't exactly go in a whole lot of unexpected directions. Musically, so that's why I kind of made a note here that just says, you know, it borders on repetitive from an instrumental standpoint, mm-hmm. even though it's good. Yeah. And I enjoy it. It's great that it was included here. Five minutes of emotional pumping. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Rebirth of the Flesh. Possibly for the Camille Project and then for the original Crystal Ball. It was uh, considered as the lead track of both of those. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A different rehearsal version was included on the NPG Music Club number eight audio download stuff. Yeah, that was the only official release of the song we ever saw up until this. That's right. It was recorded the same day as Rock Hard in a Funky Place, mm-hmm. which I appreciated. And here's another song that starts with this strong 80s yep. solo beat. Yeah. Really dated, but interesting. Oh, I, th- I love this. I, this is probably one of the earliest... Prince bootleg songs that I ever got uh-huh. as a teenager. 
Uh, so seeing it come out here was, um, I don't know. It doesn't sound dated to me because I've been listening to it for so long. It sounds (laughs) like it always has, you know? Um, but yeah, there was a edited version of this, which we did not know that was the previously wildly, widely circulating track. This one has a little bit more that was edited out of the circulating track. That was a little bit of a surprise. Okay. Yeah. The tone of his voice here is really interesting. It's not a falsetto. It's not been pitched up like Camille. Cam- oh, I think has it not has been, been. You think it's been pitched uh-huh. up like Camille? Yes. It sounded, uh, it wasn't like his deep singing voice. It wasn't altered like Bob George. It was like a mid-range tone in this first verse. Now, it gets pitched up like Camille after that. But for this first verse, to me, it didn't sound like pitched up vocals. It sounded like a mid-range singing voice that we just don't often hear from Prince. I think it's 100% Camille pitched up from the beginning. And he sings in a lower voice as Camille. But it sounds, this is like a sister track to Housequake to me. Very, very... Very much Camille from the very beginning when he sings kick drum pounds on the two and four. Kick drum pounds on the two and four. I think he's singing like in this sort of lower voice, but it's pitched up to Camille, so it oh. has a unique sound. That's okay. that's how I've always thought about it. Oh, okay. And of course that's the uh line that he used throughout the Love Sexy tour in nineteen eighty eight to mm-hmm. kick off the entire show, even though it was erotic city. Playing in the background as he drove out in his little slightly not-to-scale Thunderbird uh-huh. that drove around the stage. And he would get out and sing, kick drum pounds on the two and four. All the party people get on the floor. So that was a line that was used for a long time. Mm-hmm. Stand jump pound on two and four. All the party people get on the floor. Face. Oh, you gotta love a Prince invented word. I'm still to this day one. I mean, I guess you got to look at it like Honda Lacilia. It's a word that uh, has the right amount of syllables Uh and ends with the right vowel sound to rhyme. And we're just going to adopt it and go. Yeah. You're just, this is it. It's, it's more creative than, just la 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 that we get la la. There are too. a ton of la 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 things in the song. La la la's, but in, it's in all of these songs. Yeah, but it's more creative than yeah. just uh, you know humming along. It's a more creative nonsense word. I yeah, guess. it is. It's uh, but, something that he can own, and yeah, it's part of the uptown vernacular. I guess. Yeah, that's I guess what I've come to expect. Actually, on a lot of the first bootlegs that this song appeared on it was thought that solia colia was the name of the song and it was mislabeled that way uh instead of rebirth of the flesh which i meant to mention i read on prince vault that rebirth of the flesh the title of the song was likely inspired by by miles davis's 1957 album birth of the cool which was a combination of uh, a compilation of previously unreleased tracks so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's really cool. 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 And then the second verse gives birth 
Mm -hmm. Uh, To another often used and often quoted Prince phrase. Yep. We are here. Where are you? Yeah. We are here. Where are you? Everybody jam. Though Um, we usually hear it as it was in uh, Montreux. We are here. Exactly. Where are you? At the beginning of Stratus yeah. in 2009, and that was later edited into a studio version of the song Cause and Effect, which is another right. unreleased track, but that exact line from Montreux was used at the beginning of that song, too. I am here. Where are you? Yeah. Lots going on here. And I mean, it says on Prince Vault that this is uh, Prince on all instruments and vocals, except for Eric Leeds on saxophone, Atlanta Bliss on trumpet. But if you ask me, it seems like there are female background singers to me with mm-hmm. everybody jam to the new Boogie Blues. Check it out. And yeah. it sounds to me like there are female singers. It doesn't sound like Prince pitch different no, to me. No, it doesn't to me either. I think that there are some other singers Yes. Present here. Or at least layered on after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That's what I think about. Like this song is just this perfect combination of like those eighties drum machine sounds and this screeching guitar and Prince's own voice pitched up just like the perfect combination and then there's scratches and other things going on in the background that are kind of new in Prince's music at this point too which I think are a lot of fun Mm -hmm. at a minute and 49 seconds when he sings it's a brand new day and then there are background vocals that go woo. And if you listen close, all those background vocals are almost perfectly out of sync. And I never really noticed it. Like, they don't uh-huh. land in the right spot, but they still somehow fit. And they're kind of staggered uh-huh. in a weird way. That I think is not a mistake. I think it's just, like, the amount of care that went into, it'd be cool if, you know, if it wasn't quite perfect here, uh-huh. you know, like the mistakes in print songs, not that this is a mistake, but could come off that way are really just a matter of hard work. Yeah. Well, sometimes, and then you wonder too, if the quote unquote mistakes that you mm-hmm. hear inspired things like that. Yeah. yeah. Could be, you know, that, Hey, it was a little off. Mm-hmm. On this other song I recorded, and I, I loved the it. way it sounded. Yeah. I'm going to intentionally put this one a little off yeah. because it's going to sound really cool. Yeah, it was it was unexpected, and I, I dug it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and then we have what's his is his, what's yours is yours, unless you beat him at a game of cards. Mm-hmm. This ain't cards, MFR. This is life. This is real. Hell, you could be my wife, but all you do is steal. Hell, you could be my wife, but all you do is steal. Mother trucker. Uh-huh. This is the part that was not present in the circulating version. Okay. After he sings, this ain't cards, MFR, this is life. This is real. The edit, which you can totally tell now, is the word real, and it kind of goes real, 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 back and forth between uh-huh. your ears. This is life. And this whole part about you could be my wife, but all you do is seal. 
is was brand new to me. Like I'd never heard oh. that part of the song before. So that's okay. part of the like 28 seconds of new stuff. Okay. That's that's in here and it still is a little jarring to me to hear it and not hear that echo of real and uh-huh. hear these other lyrics that I've not heard for the past 30 years or so, 32 wow. years. Wow. Doesn't that make it a crazy a different song too. That whole part takes mm-hmm. on a whole different meaning. Yeah, when you add in there. this, you could have been my wife because this is what we saw play out in his real life relationships. Yep. Basically that he, when they supported themselves, he was resentful that they had something outside of him. Yeah. And when he supported them, he was resentful because he was supporting them. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I was trying to say when I was comparing like Prince and his view of reality and (laughs) normal everyday life with someone like Joni Mitchell. Right. I don't know. Prince led a very controlling life at times. Yeah. And I think you see that here. And that is not common, you know. Uh It takes, I mean, there can't be as many controllers as there are controllees or the math doesn't add up. Uh, he stepped into that role and people came under his wing and, you know, typically there was like, what's the average lifespan of a prince associate or girlfriend who yeah. would be controlled like that? Less than four years? Yeah. Three years, maybe? Yeah, that's fair. Well, and, and I think that you can have a disparate number because I think of people I know in my life who were controlling in some ways and controlled in other ways mm-hmm. and it made them more controlling in the ways they were controlling because they didn't have the freedom to express themselves okay in some areas of their life so it made them more controlling in other areas of their life not necessarily i that's not necessarily something that i think prince was uh, i didn't i think he was always in control but I think that you can have people who are controlling in some ways and being controlled in other areas of their life. Huh. But I, I think Prince worked really hard to try and uh, be the controller in all the things. I mean, just look at the chorus. We are here. Where are you? Yeah. That is a controlling statement in and of itself. Yeah. What do you know about these other people? They might be right where they want to be, but it's Prince introducing a new sound, a new song. Mm -hmm. This is where the party is because I'm here. Everybody can come and jam, but the one requirement is that you follow me. Yeah. At uh, three minutes and 28 seconds, there's this woo. Of course, I'm doing it in a register far deeper than Prince's, but it's like Prince is shaking it all off and giving us another guitar solo that's not real common in Camille track. It's like you think of, yes, Rock Hard in a Funky Place had a guitar solo, but, you know, songs that made it onto albums like... Housequake is not defined by a searing guitar solo. If right. I was your girlfriend, not. Strange relationship, not. This song is, you know, by yeah. the screeching guitars. Great. And the guitar and the horn interplay? Yeah. It's oh. perfect. Oh. It's perfect. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Really perfect. Yeah.
then we get more real 80s sounds with the strong percussion and the interplay of that with the synthesizers. Mm -hmm. Really, really super 80s. Oh, despite like the earlier commentary of, you know, Prince can be a control freak. He had every right to be because the song is the bomb. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It is the bomb from start to finish. (laughs) Um, Did you notice like at five minutes and 15 seconds... Kind of oddly, the sound of the drums completely change here. And this wasn't in the previously circulating bootleg either. It's almost like the drums take on a different effect at the end, which is also jarring to me, but it's that's a, a symptom of having listened to an edited version of the song for years and years and years. And now here I've been sitting with this version since September of 2020, uh-huh. which at the time of this recording was like five months ago. <laughs> it has not been enough time to digest and fully accept the, I don't know, the truth that is this track. Is this the track that was left behind and edited for whatever reason? Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. And the bootleg edit at the very end when uh, the chorus of Camille's sing la 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 colia, uh-huh. hey, there's this slow down voice that says, Welcome to the Crystal Ball oh, at the uh-huh. end. That's sort of like the intro to Crystal Ball to kick off the album. And the fact that it's not in the song is also jarring to me. I always say it to myself when the <laughs> song ends. <laughs> had it been the first track on crystal ball it would have segued into play in the sunshine so right very very interesting to think about i mean not that it matters a song is a song but how they're tracked on an album makes a difference of how you perceive it and yeah well and how you understand it yeah it gives it context yep yeah and here the context is stripped away because it's just a single vault track right in my heart i have a little trouble accepting that oh my poor little heart your, your poor little heart. Maybe it can be healed by Cosmic Day. Maybe so. Made uh, for- only if there's a merman in the sky. Which <laughs> What are the chances of that? Probably zero. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll let's get, see what happens. We'll get there. Great. Uh, maybe for the 1980s version of Crystal Ball, yeah. Claire Fisher orchestration in this was used to create intermission that was used on the love sexy tour yep very cool very very cool it was released as promotion for sign of the times super deluxe and we got a couple different messages hey will you will you do a little quick episode and talk about cosmic day i'm like i promise we'll get to cosmic day oh geez here we are almost (laughs) half a year later wish granted (laughs) we are the slowest genie alive Oh, and this is another one that starts with a strong beat, but we get a more rapid beat in the right channel, which helps it feel a little less sedated, but it still has a very strong 80s feel. To you. I mean, it just sounds like classic unreleased prints to me like this is the height of exploration with his voice and these drum sounds that are new that weren't part of his music before so it's hard i'm not disagreeing with you they sound dated okay but they just sound super nostalgic to me it sounds like 
the way I remember it. Well, I don't mean and dated I guess that's, in a bad way. No, but that's the definition of dated. Yeah, it sounds like it did when you were younger, Josh, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> so this is the early version of the song without the Claire Fisher's without Claire Fisher's orchestral arrangement on this mm-hmm. collection that we're listening to. So there's still yet another version of Cosmic Day that may not get released ever now. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. I called the drums kind of knocking. They sound like knocks to me, like okay. knocks on a door, and it goes from the left to the right channel. Uh-huh. And there's an upbeat and a downbeat, but it still sounds like knocking to me, and it reminds me of like an Edgar Allan Poe, like, Oh. The Raven, is yeah. that what it is? Uh-huh. Where it's like somebody's heartbeat. Okay. Yeah. I can I can see that. And the uh which is an interesting sort of dichotomy with the really like peppy, weird, upbeat lyrics and a lot of this music is pretty like poppy and Yes, but I thought some of the lyrics actually are a little insane too. Uh-huh. They're they're well, we'll very Happy and peppy and, you know, like falsetto Camille, like the highest Camille voice you're going to hear from Prince. Yeah. But there oh, are not yeah. of uh, normal people who will claim I'm not deranged. Right. And right. That's what goes yeah. on here. <laughs> I mean, when somebody says I'm not deranged, it's pretty usually a pretty good sign that they yeah, might some be problems. having some issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. But what a fun dream. Clouds oh, yeah. are made of whipped cream. And yeah. I was like, why is this merman so concerning? It's only because he's in the sky, not his existence. There goes a But and it also struck me weird, like, why isn't Prince dreaming about mermaids? Why is it a merman? It's, it's also... Camille is dreaming of a merman. Okay. All right. It's still <laughs> out of, I mean, to me, like mermen are like 10% of the stories of mer creatures. Oh, it's typically yeah. oh, mermaids, right? Right. Yeah. That's what I would expect to hear. Right. But yes. How did he get there? Oh my. I love that. Yeah. It's not like, that oh, he's. Isn't that odd? Yeah. Isn't that odd that he's in the sky? Right. Not his existence. Because seeing one in water would be odd in the first place. Well, to us, but maybe in this dream, this is the thing that is concerning. I guess. Yeah. Just a super denial, super short chorus. There's nothing strange. I'm not deranged. It continues, right? I only want every day to be or to be a cosmic day. <laughs> yeah. So. so- Weird. I had to go and like check the lyrics to make sure I was hearing that right. I mean, is he saying there's an illusion of choice here? Like he only wants one thing, but here are two choices, but they're the same choice. Yeah. To be or to be a cosmic day. Right. I only want every day to be or to be a cosmic day. So he's basically saying my requirement is that every day is cosmic. The treatment on Prince's voice with his tra-la-las. Yeah. I love it. It's so high-pitched. It is like ultra Camille. It's like Camille to the max. Yeah. I should say, too, there was like a minute and a half of the song that's been circulating for so long, and it was sort of a Holy Grail track. Uh Uh-huh. 
because uh, it wasn't great quality. It was not the entire thing. It just kind of faded out, and so very few people had heard this entire song um, outside of super elite collectors. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this was a real treat. This was like, I will pay $120 for this set to have this one song. This one song. Yeah. 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 Oh, and we got so much more. Oh, yeah. Walking alone in the dark, I see nothing you see. The companion can see and the narrator cannot. But he already said he's walking alone. So why would he be able to see something someone else saw if they weren't there anyway? Yeah, I, I don't know. Walking alone in the dark. I see nothing you see. Okay. I mean, I guess it follows, but it's an odd well, connection. No, I walking alone in the dark. He's the one in the dark. He's not really walking alone. He's the only one walking in the dark. And he wishes his companion, I wish you'd hold my hand. I wish you'd hold my hand. He wants, he's in the dark. His companion can see. Hmm. He would like his companion to hold, hmm. hold his hand. Okay. To lead him through whatever really strange place this is well again there's a lot of like opposites here that he pairs together that should not be next to one another like i could be in a park or flying in the in the deep sea wouldn't fly in the sea you would swim in the sea uh-huh so yeah his perspective of... is definitely a little psychedelic side did yeah 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 well and it's very interesting there's a lot of interesting lyrics like that that kind of yeah. turn things on their mm-hmm. on their side instead of uh every star in the sky it's every sky in the star Just a, a little flip, a little change. Yep. Just a little, it's a little more unusual. Yeah, if, it's if, reality, but slightly twisted somehow. Yeah. yeah. That is uh, my favorite part in the song, by the way. Driving in a fast car, and there's this guitar jab at like two minutes and five seconds. It was like, driving in a fast car. It's so cool. Looking for love in the breeze, every sky in the star. Uh-huh. Another hug if you play if you please. Yeah. Great writing. Yeah, super good. Some super epic guitars. Yeah, this song oh. rocks like from Two minutes and 40 seconds to three minutes and 35 seconds. It is a rocking instrumental of Prince funk and pop and rock all mixed together. And just, I don't know, it's just gorgeous. like more of this why was this nowhere this should have been somewhere i don't know this song seems like it was so nurtured and how hard it must have been to record this thing and Uh get it just right from nothing to this finished product and then just shove it on a shelf it's just (laughs) Just unthinkable to me yeah 
At uh, four minutes and 12 seconds, we get a breakdown, and then the drums again sound like clockwork to me. Yes. And then we get, um, like, Prince's whispering calls of his own sanity. Uh Uh-huh. This is where really, like, you're like, this dude has lost it. (laughs) Look outside. Look. He's like, look. Look outside the window. The clouds. They look like whipped cream. There's nothing strange. We're now it's we're not deranged. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm yeah. not deranged. Uh huh. And the most deranged part of the whole thing, I don't know, glorious derangement was when he says at like four minutes and thirty three seconds, "We only want to love you." And in the background, he says, "Cosmic." There's nothing strange. strange. We're not deranged. Like, I could see him jumping out from a dark corner of a haunted house somewhere and <laughs> for a jump scare. But yeah, his singular insaneness turns into a plurality of craziness right. at well, this part. I'm like, we only want to love you. Yeah. I'm like, is I it I the narrator and a companion or is it the narrator and the voices in their head? Yes. That's what I think. Yeah. And and, in all honesty, Prince would talk like that a lot in interviews, would refer to himself as we. We. Uh Uh-huh. royal we. Yeah. Or like me and my team or, you know, all of us musicians that are putting this together when, you know, it was mostly him. Right. And then I love the one more chorus to end it at about five minutes and 23 seconds just to put it like a cherry on top. It's not anything you haven't heard Dozens of times in the song with this last chorus of there's nothing strange, we're not deranged, we only want every day to be or to be a cosmic day. And that guitar, like, quick ending and well, it's and gone. It's pitched even higher. Yeah. And it makes it a little bit more ominous. Yeah. It's, it kind of, it starts off this kind of mm-hmm. weird, unusual, funky, peppy song. And the further and deeper in you get, the more concerning yes. and <laughs> ominous this sounds because it's, you see them devolving into Yeah, the insanity. situation is getting worse in this person's head. But the overall sentiment was, I want every day to be glorious and to yeah. see unique things and find beauty in unexpected places. But the pursuit of it and the, I don't know, the singular focus on it is kind of maddening. drives you crazy it's like uh what was the mirror in harry potter that uh could get you to stare at it forever Uh and go nuts or said yeah Mm -hmm. desire spelled backwards oh i didn't know that that's what it was Uh did not realize that mirror that reflected your desires and what was it called spelled backwards said or said i didn't know Uh that that was the mirror of desire backwards it's the mirror of desire but it's Uh. backwards because it it's not showing you reality yeah yeah. yeah. Wow. I never knew that uh, it was desire spelled backwards. That's a very Prince thing to begin with anyway, with yeah. his mirror messages. Yeah. Oh, but um, Cosmic Day, worth the price of the entire freaking box set to me. <laughs> could not agree more. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then we have Walking in Glory. 
leave it to Prince to record a gospel song and Bob George in the same day. I was thinking about this and like the Christmas Eve church message that we watched in 2020 was primarily focused on the fact that, you know, we don't have to make things up to God, that the gift of salvation is just that, a gift. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can get back if you lose it. You've always had it. And so I think of Prince and his... Like what Susan Rogers said was when he would record a song that could be perceived as evil, he would follow it up with something to make things right or set things right. So it seemed like he had this mindset that, you know, some crazy sexual song and then I'll record the cross or Bob George about spousal abuse or domestic violence. And then here's this Prince gospel revival track recorded on the same day to like not drift Atone for it. Yeah, yeah. Not drift into the darkness or the lightness too far. Yeah. It's like he tethered himself to, I don't know, some center point and would venture off in one direction and then go the other way also. And then follow his breadcrumbs back to, Oh, here's yeah, my, here's the, my centerpiece. Yeah. Which is interesting. Cause this is definitely a very fundamentalist sort of view of Christianity. Mm-hmm. You normally think of Prince, becoming more fundamentalist around his conversion to Jehovah's Witness faith and the rainbow children. This is where we see a lot of, a lot of that. Well, that got released. This did not. I think that's the only difference. Well, and I mean, it just shows how he'd grown up with this sort of religion yeah, that, you know, people are like, what happened? He went into this Jehovah's witness faith and got all strange. And no, he'd kind of always been there. He just brought it more into his, his world. He grew up with this. And it was at a point where he could afford to do it too. I think in the early two thousands, he was at a place where I'm okay. Not being in spotlight anymore. It's not about the hits. It's not about selling a bunch of records. It's about a message now, right? You know, after he'd already, I don't know, made his mark. You know, mm-hmm. this includes some of the jam with Sheila E. that would become Two Nigs United for West Africa. shocked to hear that to to hear it in the song i hadn't read about it so i listening to the song i think it was back when i was mowing grass and had headphones on and was Uh mowing and i'm like what what is going on in the background (laughs) that's oh my gosh that's two nicks united for west compton um and then it come and of course read it and be like "Uh, yeah josh people know this (laughs) yeah i love songs that have a falsetto lead vocal and Prince's baritone background vocals kind of screamed behind him. Yeah. Um, and that is this song from beginning to end. Yes, a chorus of Prince's. Right, lots all, of them. Yes. In every ear you have. Yes. All two of them. I think also you pay attention throughout this track to the one instrument that sets this apart from most of the others in this collection is piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, 27 seconds is the first hint of that gospel piano, and I would just love to have seen him. Banging on keys in a Mm -hmm. studio somewhere. Yeah, 
it's very much a an amen kind of thing, making well, a statement, and then princes princes in the background going, "Don't say that." Oh yeah, you uh-huh. know it. I couldn't find my baby. She was nowhere to be found. I think the Lord He took her in the middle of the night, took her up to heaven. That's what happened. She was a happy rapture. Right. Sure, Prince. That's exactly what happened. It was okay. a happy rapture. It, she didn't get up and leave in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, this is him putting a positive spin on loss. <laughs> but yes, not only did his girlfriend or lover die, but also disappeared. Yeah. Like the, there's no body. Well, and that's because she didn't die. She just left. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> but he's got to try and give he's this. He's making it into it like a, yeah, this is one of the only know. songs I've ever heard where the singer can turn someone leaving him into a giant Christian celebration. <laughs> yes. This is the path to, uh, to happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those who have been left, I've had enough. As, Christian and fundamentalist as the song is, there's just so much funky about it. There's vocalizing that's done and fun screams and Layers of vocals with pianos and synthesizer and the breathing and the vocalizing and clapping and yeah. all of that feels so spontaneous and organic and when real. it's all print. Yeah. And I just was amazed at what an amazing job he did to make every single take, every single layer feel organic and fresh and like you're in the middle of some, you know, Southern Baptist church. Yeah, that they haven't even rehearsed this, you know, and and it comes off as... Let's. We know what we're doing. We know we're, we've got a unified message, and here it is. Like Prince, of course, is one guy playing yeah. basically every instrument and uh, laying down every vocal track, and it does come off as very real. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, Big G, y'all. Big G, y'all. That's yeah. I was like, does that mean God or yes. does that mean glory? I'm not I'm, sure. I'm pretty sure it's God, but yeah. Yeah. The big G, y'all. Yeah, that's like, very funny. It was, uh, made me. I was That's very the kind of thing that you would see in a church. Like, you know, it's the churchy version of being badass. Mm-hmm. To me. <laughs> um, at two minutes and 20 seconds, when he says, I think I want to walk through two minutes and 31 seconds, there's some really crazy vocalizing going on there. And you can hear a bit of Two Nigs United for West Compton and the music there also. <laughs> Or 
before your big G part, yeah. three minutes and three seconds to three minutes and 17 seconds. There's a guitar solo and Prince immediately screams, look at me, y'all. I'm freaking. <laughs> it's great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Vocalizing right after, like at the end of that guitar solo at three minutes and 16 seconds, we get a shaka 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 that he does. And of course, I can't do it. Uh-huh. I fail. Well, that's all right. I'll put a clip he of it. He can do it. Yeah. Great. Save me, please. And there's an anti drug message mixed in here, too. If those fools try to, it's difficult to understand. Do they try to give you those funny cigarettes or something along those lines? You tell them, get it out of my face. Big G, this don't smoke the funny cigarettes message, too. Yeah. Oh, well. I almost wanted to see if Kirk Cameron had credit on this song. (laughs) He did not. (laughs) No. That gospel preaching ending? Yeah. I want to walk in glory. Oh, yeah. Preach it, brother. Uh Uh-huh. Even the wording of it, my soul, my soul will be saved, and I'm going to walk in glory, pray up on the hill. I'm going to ask him to forgive me, him being God. Something tells me he will. Just, uh, I don't know, very, yes, like you said, uh, fundamentalist Christian, but also a very inspired song. If you ask me, like there's this urgency to it that can't really be faked. Right. I don't care how good of an actor you are. And Prince just goes crazy throughout the entire song. Again, there's this level of insanity and craziness and urgency to a lot of these songs that um, I wish that they were, um, I don't know, more accessible, even though, of course, you can stream them wherever you want now. But uh, they'll never be part of, like, the uh, mainstream Prince lexicon. You know, they're going to be buried as deep cuts forever that most people will never, ever hear. Right. But it's worth the dig. Yep, for sure. Yeah. What a ride. What a ride, that song. Well, now that we've covered God, yeah, let's how talk- about those glasses? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Wally. All right. The first version was deleted amid Susan Rogers begging Prince not to erase it. Uh, this version is believed to be recorded two days later. Yeah. And the original was purportedly too emotional. Right. So she did make a tape of it for him before she deleted it. Supposedly. Yeah, but I also read that on Prince Vault that that seems unlikely as oh. he would have been the only one in a position to make this copy. And she has no recollection of doing it. She okay. said that a cassette copy might have been made prior to erasing. But, uh-huh. uh, and now Michael Howe has stated that no such cassette was found in the vault. So okay. they haven't. if it exists, it wasn't there. Yeah, or if it existed, it's may not any longer. Right. Did yeah. we mention that it was about his breakup with Susanna? No, we did not. And that's why it was so personal. Right. Uh, and why he wanted the first one deleted and then re-recorded it a few days later, which yeah. is what we 
have here. Uh, also of note, Wally Safford is um, background dancer and singer in the Revolution and the Sign of the Times to Love Sexy Bands and also works security on the Purple Rain Tour. Uh-huh. Got to get yeah. you in somewhere. Yeah. No, it's got this pretty tinkling piano. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And Wally's- here we go again with... La di da da da. Uh-huh, yes. Yeah, some, <laughs> some more la di da da's. Prince wants to know if Wally's girl, who has a sister who's also hot. <laughs> so immature. <laughs> because he's, tra- so well, immature. he's trying to be playful in his heartbreak. Yeah. You know, he's, he's looking to-, to rebound quickly. Yeah. And uh, he does so with a growl. While he says he's on the prowl. It is the cheesiest. Check it out, Wally. (laughs) I'm on the prowl tonight. Check it out, Wally. I'm on the prowl tonight. I would have been like, what you need is to stay at home and rent a movie from Blockbuster. (laughs) Yeah, you need to have a good cry at home. Yep. Uh, and his mocking of what his baby says when she doesn't love him anymore is very, I don't know. It's an insult, right? Right? Like, well, maybe I do, just not like I did before. Oh, yeah. Because my baby don't love me no more. She said, she said, well, maybe I do, just not like I did before. Ain't that a trip, Wally? Which I'm like... Well, that's fair, because love changes. Yeah, I still but... love you, but uh, how about this, Prince? Like a mother loves a child sexually anymore. <laughs> Does that sit well with you? Does that make sense? Oh, okay. <laughs> Very odd song. This is, uh, I don't know, it was a song of legend because of the story behind it. I don't know as I listen through all of it if it lives up to those expectations or not. I mean, it is a a unique song, interesting lyrics, you know, comparing all this stuff to Wally's glasses. Mm-hmm. And I'm so heartbroken, but hey, those glasses are cool. It's just a distraction, I think. Mm-hmm. Like trying to find something outside of himself to focus on. And he keeps focusing on these glasses. Leave it, Wally. Where'd you get those glasses? So Prince brings money into it again. He says, you know, I'd give her all my money for I'd give it to Uncle Sam. Ah, okay. I'd give her all my money for I'd give it all to Uncle Sam. Can you believe it, Wally? Trying to show her that he cares because he'd literally break the law to give her money before he'd pay his taxes. Tax evasion. Yeah. It's a form of, (laughs) it's an emotional pump. (laughs) And he's very much tying that to his affection and care for somebody. Yeah. I mean, it must have been really hard for him feeling like he couldn't trust people about money. I mean, he literally, in part, disbanded the revolution because they asked for more money. Yeah. Yeah. Which they deserved. Absolutely. They deserved it. But he just, he had some real issues when it came to money. Oh, yes. For sure. 
Um, I thought the most personal lyrics left in this version come at two minutes and 19 seconds uh, when he sings, it's too late for sympathy, whatever will be, will be. I'm going to a party, and if I don't find somebody, somebody will find me. What am I going to do? She was the only one in the whole world that I could talk to. It's too late for sympathy, whatever will be, will be. Going to a party, and if I don't find somebody, somebody will find me. So it's a little meandering, but I think the line, it's too late for sympathy, is kind of an understanding of the situation there, you know, yeah. that this is past and it's what's done is done. But then the level of maturity for I'm going to fix it by going to a party and I'm going to leave with someone one uh-huh. way or another. Right. Uh, kind of you know, takes two steps back from that level of maturity right there. (laughs) And then the sadness of, you know, he's singing about Susanna when he says she was the only one in the whole world that I could talk to. Yeah. Um, However, he is singing the song to Wally. Yeah. A good friend. Right. So that kind of goes against that also. I'm sure there are some things he could talk with Susanna about that he couldn't talk to another dude about. Right. But a little confusing, just a lot of insight into the state of mind there of confusion and kind of sadness and self-pity, but life is a party. Well, but life is a party, but he didn't really ever expect to find someone else that he felt that way about. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing meaningful. Right. I mean, in the throes of a breakup, you think you'll never love somebody that way again. Right. Nobody could ever love you the way they loved you. And you were just heartbroken that they took it away from you. Yeah. I mean, this is the start of the mindset that leads to depression and suicide. This Mm -hmm. is a slippery slope. You know, even having essentially all the money and talent in the world you could dream of wouldn't fix that. Right. And you can tell he's trying to distract himself. He plays this piano right. or mentions the glasses again. Yeah, yeah. He just he's trying to find something outside of himself to fixate on. All of which are material things as opposed to a relationship also, which is a common mm-hmm. theme. Yeah. It is strange that this song has this fits my requirements for being annoyed at a fade out and also having a proper ending because <laughs> it kind of comes to this crescendo of drums and stuff, but it fades out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which is a little weird. Yeah. And after listening to it a number of times, I hear a ton of similarities between Wally and the song Strays of the World that was okay. released on Crystal Ball in 1998. They're both very operatic. Um guess the difference being Wally has a lot more la 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 parts. <laughs> That's fair. Then we have I Need a Man, the last single released before the full official release of Sign of the Times mm-hmm. Super Deluxe. Yeah, which was a surprise to me. It was like a week before the set was released and this song became available as a single. I was like, well, I wish you had done that even earlier, but okay. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Overdubs for this were recorded in 1987, but it was originally 
recorded the very first time in 1981 for the Hookers, yep. which then turned into Vanity Six. Yes. And in the mid-80s, it was offered to Bonnie Raitt. She did record vocals of this one, but she felt it wasn't in her key, mm-hmm. and she wasn't super comfortable with the topics, Yeah, which speaks a lot about country music in the 80s, because this True. would be very on-brand for Oh, yeah, music. for sure, for sure. And again, it has this 80s sound to it. Yeah, it does. It has almost an originals kind of feel to mm-hmm. it to me, like it could have fit on that compilation of unreleased songs. The horns that were added in 1987 or so. Mm-hmm. Came from live performances of Controversy. Kiss on the Parade and the Sign of the Times tour. Um, I was listening to this and I'm like, why does this sound like controversy? That's not controversy. But it is the way they played it live on the Parade tour. And also the intro to Kiss on uh, the Sign of the Times tour, which is actually... On the next disc of material that we're going to cover as part of this, it's on there too. The do 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 is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Again, we get the start of the song with a great fun drums, a horn line, a rhythm guitar, synthesizers that just fit right in with like the beginning of emotional pump almost. It's, it's kind of got that same feel to it. Uh huh. Definitely sung from the point of view of a woman. Yes, for sure. And it was only after the second chorus that I realized he wasn't really singing in a falsetto or with a pitched voice. Oh, not at all, right? When this was obviously for a woman. Yeah. I don't know if because he had Bonnie Raitt in mind and she yeah. doesn't sing in a particularly high register that right. he just did it his way. Right. Could be. So is having uh, Springsteen as a best friend super impressive is in country music? Tell me that the Springsteen is one of your best friends. Money don't make no Or is Springsteen shallow? What's the deal? You know, I want to like and pay attention to Bruce Springsteen, but I just don't like his music at all, and Uh I cannot stand the sound of his voice. I respect (laughs) him as a musician, yeah, and you know, one of the greatest rock pop musicians of all time. But I cannot listen to his music for (laughs) the life of me. So I don't know uh, if it is prestigious to. Have him as one of your friends? I would guess so. He's a very famous man. Yeah. Um, And fairly private, I think, too. Yeah. I love how he delivers that line. Uh, They say you got a fancy car, a big Mercedes Benz. They tell me that Springsteen is one of your best friends. There's like an emphasis on the end of the T of that that made me question, is it some other Springsteen or is it Bruce Springsteen? And then I realized it was just how he was saying the word that that made it sound like something was ahead of Springsteen. Here he is kind of anti-money. 
which surprises me after the previous few songs we've listened to here. Money Don't Make No Man, Sucker. Get up off of that funk. Let me tell you one more time in case you think I'm drunk. Money don't make no man, sucker. Get up off of that funk. Let me tell you one more time in case you think I'm drunk. And then the chorus itself is, if money's all you got, I don't want it. If money's all you got, I don't want it. Oh. Yeah, but... Goes on to say later, not really opposed to money. Right. A little money don't hurt. Yes. But that's not the most important thing. Yeah. I'd rather have a body that works, which seems a little ableist to me. But, uh, you know, this was a physical encounter primarily. True. Little money don't hurt. I'd rather have a body that works. This is a person who has the money they need. Yeah. And uh, you having some of your own money makes you makes me able to have just a physical relationship uh, with you because I'm not worried about you having a relationship with me because all you want is my money. But mm-hmm. it's not really about a relationship. It's all a, I need a physical encounter with a man. It just seems like backtracking a lot when you sing, uh, <laughs> if money's all you got, I don't want it. And then later on, uh-huh. a little money don't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I see. I see. Okay. I thought at 2 minutes and 22 seconds when he sings, Give it to me. Is it all right if I play this thing? Yeah. Is it all right if I play this thing? But then he doesn't play anything. Like there was a space here for a guitar solo or something that Uh never got filled in. It seems a little unfinished to me. There were some keys there, but not... It wasn't like a giant solo that you associate with Prince saying... Is it all right if I play this thing? Yeah, but it's funny because nothing. the women he offered it to were not going to be playing bon a Ray thing. plays guitar. Yeah. It's not. It's something that she's... She could have done a slide guitar solo or something. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, then we get into that spoken word part of the only way of getting me hot. I need to love her with a lot. A little money don't hurt. But I'd rather have a body that works. Yeah, that's uh, Bonnie Raitt. I can see why she was like, Yeah, that's yeah. not the kind of thing I sing about. <laughs> that's a little more overt and intense than I would really want to be. Yeah, I, I just I remember stopping and writing down, Ha! The chorus says, If money's all you got, forget it. But here, hey, it won't hurt. <laughs> But I see your point. Like, uh, you've got to want me for me, not looking for financial support. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess, is what makes an M-A-N real man. <laughs> get a sax in the left and drums in the right. Mm-hmm. And it just, it works. Yes, just it like does. the man That's right. that the, the protagonist in this song needs. All right. It works so well. A little sax solo don't hurt. Works. And there's a false ending at 4 minutes and 22 seconds. And again, give it to me. Uh-huh. Hold on. Give it to me. And I expect like a guitar solo or something to be there, but it's it's not. It had a feel to me again of just not quite being finished. And that might have been on purpose. Like this is, here's the outline of the song, Bonnie. I want you to record Uh it yeah and then she does and then 
like the thought of money backtracks and says, well, <laughs> yeah, I maybe don't not. know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Prince Direction. Skip the change. G- keep grooving. Skip the change. Keep grooving. Which I also didn't understand because it seems like the change is in there too. Yeah. There's like a little horn part that seems like what I would call change. Right. Um, so some of the call outs didn't make a lot of sense to me. Maybe I'm just too dense to understand them. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But we get a really nice scream. Yes, we do. And a whispered work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty to atone for the confusing messaging about money and uh, solo call-outs that don't come to fruition. Right. And then we have the last song that we're covering today, Mm. Promise to be True. This is a re-recording of a song planned for Vandy Six's second album, which was abandoned. Um, Again, a song offered to Bonnie Raitt, but... She is not known to have recorded vocals with this one. And another one that starts with very 80s drums. Well, hello. It's about time you got home. It does. And another, yeah. and, and one of the first that does not use Prince Bonnix in the title. Mm-hmm. Promise to yeah. be true. And it's yeah. T-O. And B. Instead yeah, and B. B-E. You're right. Instead of just the letter B. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. Um, I thought this really sounded like a Vanity Six or an Apollonia Six yeah. song for sure. I yeah. could hear like at the beginning, Brenda, kind of like uh, the shop owner. Uh, what song is that? Vibrator. Uh-huh. Yeah. When she calls him out. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> uh, well, and the dog references. Yes, that's for sure. very, very... It's early that, 80s. Is that early 80s yeah. girl band yep. thing that Prince was working? Yeah, comparing yeah. a man, a cheating man to a dog uh-huh. was definitely the thing. Don't try that tail wagon routine on me. Yep. Now speak. No, baby, don't try that tail wagon routine on me. I want to know where you been. Now speak. That's, That's right. To walk in. And then yeah. there's these shimmery symbols, which are mm-hmm. super fun too. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to point out that this is like a little honky tonk. It's got a little country in it, uh-huh. um, which is probably you know why Bonnie Raitt came to mind. If you listen to the one you want to see from Planet Earth, uh-huh. you'll hear some similarities uh, to this song too. But yeah, I was hoping that as dog owners, we would definitely get the uh, "Don't try that tail wagon routine on me." You, can, <laughs> you know, you talk to a dog, and when they know they're guilty, uh huh, they're they're so Ears dumb. Back yes. tail wagon. Yes, yeah. you're not hiding anything, dummy. <laughs> but they do look cute. Uh, they do look do. cute. Yes, but it is, uh, you know, the inability to hide one's own actions. I think is manifested in dogs. Uh-huh. Very well. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we've got the list of grievances on ver- in verse 1 of uh, all the signs of having not promised nor have been true. Lipstick on your shirt. Lipstick on your shirt, baby. Perfume in your bed. Perfume in your bed. You bet on a new love, baby, and you lost my love instead. You bet on a new love, baby. 
then there's the immediate offer to take him back. Yeah. Yeah. If I take you back, you got to Which, I was like, he cheated, and she's given him a second chance. So either he's lucky, Mm -hmm. or she's dumb. Maybe a little of both. Well, and then we kind of find out that she's very infatuated with him. Yeah. I'd be lost without your kiss. Right. But she will find her way on her own if if he messes up again. That's right. But I'm sure I can do it. I'm sure I can do it, but I just don't want to do it yet. Yeah. You get one more chance. You're too much work really to, to drop it. like yeah. a bad hat. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd be lost without your kiss. But if you mess up again, you ain't going to have no lips to kiss. More grievances. Phone numbers in your suit jacket. Phone numbers in your suit jacket. Too many nights with the boys. And like we heard on uh, at least one song on 1999, Super Deluxe, yeah, acting like a spoiled little baby, spoiled little baby on Christmas. She wanted too many toys. That was yeah. in one of the songs on 1999, Super Deluxe, which uh, eludes me now. But uh, definitely written during that same mm-hmm. period, right? She says that she's she'll going back to that other part that she'll uh, make it if he messes up again. Mm-hmm. But if you mess up again, honey, you ain't going to have no lips to kiss with. And then I was like, wait a minute. Is she going to take her lips away so he won't have her lips to kiss with? No. Or is she going to remove his lips? Yeah, she's going to. She's, is that another, what song was that from 1999 Super Deluxe where they were in the ice cream show? No, it was a Jill Jones song. Yeah. From, uh, the early 80s where uh, someone had a knife in the uh, uh, soda killing shop. It, killing, killing it at, it at the, the soda, soda shop. shop. <laughs> yeah. The soda shop. The soda shop. <laughs> Show enough. That was the soda shop. <laughs> uh, yeah. I thought uh, when he sings Promise to be True in this super high falsetto voice, this is a super fun song to listen yeah. to and sing along with. I got to make that clear as much as we uh, point out. Silly things throughout it. The uh, money comes into it again. Yes. And I, yeah, you here, know you, you got all my money. I'll give it to you every time. Yep. You know you got all my money. I'll give it to you every time. Again, equating the money and the love. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's part of that's part of the uh uh, I don't know. You can't untease a relationship with Prince out of love and money and that kind of stuff. It is all just it's woven so in together. Yeah. Yeah. But how they have background vocals are sung there too. You know, you got all my money, money, money. It's very fun. Uh huh. Unprince like background kind of vocals. Yep. And there's another hint that this is from earlier in the 80s is there's a little reference to rearrange yes there is on 1989 super deluxe as well so there's a lot of things kind of converging yes here in this song sings i've got plenty plenty loving for you baby but you got to rearrange Mm -hmm. definitely a theme there and then we've got this like little bit of levity here at the end of the song, if I take you back, you got a promise from the bottom of your stinky old, crusty old, no good heart. Baby, if I take you back, baby, if I take you back, 
This is Prince talking to the Grinch. We just came out of the holiday season. That's right. And uh, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, came to mind here. You know, yes. from the bottom of your old stinky old crusty old no good heart. <laughs> I wouldn't touch you with a 37 and a half foot pole. Nine. Whatever. I guess maybe Prince would have a shorter pole because he was a small person. He was person. tiny. Yeah. <laughs> so he'd cut a couple feet off of his pole. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely worded. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought this was a fun collection of seven songs. I mean, yeah, obviously, me they're they're just arranged on a disc to fit and to be in as much chronological order as they could make them. And here we cut them in half to be able to spend whatever an hour and a half talking about them and not go insane. Uh huh. But I thought this was a really fun collection of seven songs. I lots, agree. Lots of fun to listen to on repeat. I agree. Well, since we've covered everything, looks like we're there. We're going to make our selections. We choose three things every episode a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. Mm hmm. The sea, the low point, the thing that we liked the least, mm. and the mountain, the thing that we liked the best. Right. So the time capsule for me was that there were songs, so many songs that started with the strong 80s sounding beat, Emotional Pump, Rebirth of the Flesh, Cosmic Day, and then... To some extent, I Need a Man and Promise to be True was yeah. so prevalent in these songs that to me, that sort of strong starting beat is the time hmm. capsule. All right. Well, I made a more traditional choice and stuck with a song. You called it dated sounding. I know that's not quite what you meant as a bad thing, but to me, it was the nostalgia of having listened to Rebirth of the Flesh for so long. And knowing that it was meant to be the opening track of both the Camille album and the Crystal Ball album, uh, and also getting it with a little bit of an extended version than what I was used to, and it just screams 1987, 1986 Prince to me, and okay. always will. That's what Rebirth of the Flesh is to me. It is the time capsule, maybe for the entire set Okay. of outtakes. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. The C... Uh the S-E-A. Yeah, the low point. I need a man. It's just not a song that I'm going to revisit very much, I don't think. Oh. So. See, I think having that little horn part in it that was used in live performances of other songs makes it fun to listen to to me. Yeah. It has this, you know, oddly deep Prince Easter egg, sort of. Right. Kind of kept it out of the sea for me. Okay. Kept it afloat. For me, I hate to say it, and it's just a matter of the fact that it's these seven songs together. The song that I'll probably return to the least out of all these is Wally. Oh, that's fair. Uh, I don't know if it's just because, you know, there's a lot of hype built up around the song. Will we ever get to hear it? Um, and then it's just, to me, a little meandering. It's not quite as focused. It's got some great guitar solos, but the mid-tempo, la-dee-da-dee-da. I mean, some of it seems a little thrown away than super personal. And maybe right. that comes from it being re-recorded, too. Um, I enjoy the song, and I love having it. But out of these seven, that's the one that I would rank number seven. Okay. That's fair. All right. The Mountain, the thing that we liked the most good luck oh i mean these are a great set of songs but for me cosmic day is just the like surreal mm -hmm. joy tinged with a little 
borderline manic insanity is just, it's perfection. I just love it so much. Far be it from me to disagree with you. There are so many good unreleased gems in this collection. Even Wally is a good unreleased song. It's great. Um, This was probably the toughest mountain for me to pick because of that, because... There, I just there are a number of songs here that I love, but yeah, for me, it's Cosmic Day. Yeah. For unique lyrics, the Camille rock combo, I put my runners up as "Promise to Be True" because I just started singing along with it, and uh-huh. I mean, it's a it's a goofy little song, right? And it's a little immature, right? But it's sung so well, and it's just fun to sing along with. Yeah. And also, "Walking in Glory" was a runner-up for oh, me too, just okay. because of its—it's it's the most unique song on this entire That's disc, fair. probably certainly among the seven songs that we recorded. But nope, sorry, "Cosmic Day" hits it out of the park, and there's yeah. there's really no competition. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What are we going to talk about next week, Josh? Well, I'll tell you. It Not might next come week, as a but in a couple weeks. Yes. Yeah. Next episode, I'm with you. I figure we probably ought to cover the second half of this disc here. Um, which will end our vault tracks from Sign of the Times Super Deluxe Edition. We'll leave us a couple of live performances to cover, but that's going to include Jealous Girl, There's Something I Like About Being Your Fool, the second version of Big Tall Wall, Lisa's vocal version of A Place in Heaven, and then a couple remixes that are thrown on here, including Wonderful Day, 12-inch mix is what they have it labeled as, and Strange Relationship, the Shep Pettibone Club Mix. All right. An odd collections of songs, I won't lie. Yeah. It will yeah. be weird. Prepare for a weird episode <laughs> coming up in two weeks. Well, thank you so much for listening. We know you make a choice when you listen to us, and we so appreciate it. If you're listening and you like the show, please tell a friend because it's way more fun when you can listen with a friend. Also, write and review wherever you listen to podcasts because it does help us get found and we'd like to be found and continue to make the show. And uh, we, you know, we have a good time making it. We hope you have a good time listening. And if you do, then, you know, rate and review. If you need to find us on social media, you can do that on Facebook, The Mountains in the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at tmats t-m-a-t-s podcast or you can send us an email tmatspodcast at gmail.com until next time happy purple listening thanks for listening